I heard a story about this accountant that just graduated from business school, and uh, he was looking for a job, and one day he answered an ad for Help Wanted, and so he got the interview, and he was sitting there with the owner of this small little business. The owner had started this business and was questioning and examining the applicant, and the owner said, look, I need somebody with an accountant degree. And the accountant said, well, I, I have that. The business owner said, well, that's great. But also, I'm, I'm looking for someone who can do my worrying. I mean, I worry about a lot of things. Uh, and so I need somebody who will worry about my money. Well, the accountant kind of looked a little puzzled. And he says, okay, uh, may I ask how much does the job pay? Small business owner said, it pays $80,000 a year. The accountant said, $80,000 a year? How in the world can a small business like that afford that? And the business owner says, that's your first worry. <laughs> uh, I was kind of worried you wouldn't get the joke. <laughs> Oh, you know, we worry about a lot of things, right? We worry about our health. We worry about relationships. We worry about uh, tomorrow. We worry about our job. We worry about everything. We worry about if we can make ends meet. Uh, there's so much that we spend time worrying about. And so this morning, I really want us to look at how to defeat the giant called worry. Uh, now, let me kind of give us a, a, a definition here. Uh, worrying is a control issue, all right? Worrying is a control issue. You see, worrying is trying to control the uncontrollable. That's what worrying is. It's when you are trying to control something that is completely out of your hands, out of your jurisdiction. You have no control over this situation, over this problem, over this, this obstacle here, but yet you choose to worry. You choose to uh, just meditate on that and fester upon that and just allow it to foster. It's just, it's just negative. It is it's, it's trying to control the uncontrollable. And so uh, we can't control our health, and so we worry about our health. We can't control our finances, and so we worry about our finances. We can't control the future, and so we worry about the future. And so worrying is trying to control the uncontrollable. Now, there is a difference between worrying and being concerned. I think we need to understand this, all right? If we are legitimately concerned about something, that should prompt us into action, right? Normally when we're concerned about it, there's something that we can do to bring change about. For example, all right, if I'm sitting in my house and I know that my two boys are out in the front yard and they're playing in the road, all right? I can sit there in my house and look through the window and be worried that they're out there and keep looking and keep looking. I see them playing in the road and I'm worried and I'm worried and I'm worried. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking about them playing out in the road. That's negative. Being concerned is when I get up off of my lazy boy, go outside and I say, boys, get out of the road. And I help them get out of the road. And so concern will always prompt us into an action. 
Worrying is when we do absolutely nothing. We just sit there and we, we let it grow. We let it fester. We let it foster. It's just it's trying to control the uncontrollable. Worrying is stewing without doing. That's what worrying is. In fact, a study by the National Science Foundation revealed some startling statistics about worrying. Listen to this. Here's what they found. 30% of our worries are about events in the past. In other words, 30% of the stuff that we worry about is stuff that happened in the past. It's stuff that happened yesterday, last week, last month, last year, last decade. We worry about stuff we cannot change because it's in the past. 30% of that. 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. 40%, isn't that incredible? 40% of the, of the things that we invest time worrying about will never even happen. 12% of our worries are on unfounded health concerns. All right? 10% of our worries are over minor and trivial issues. Only 8% of our worries are real, legitimate issues. So a majority of our time is wasted worrying about stuff we cannot even control. Only a small little percentage of what we, wor- of what we worry about uh, is, is of any value, and that should prompt us into an action. In fact, the, worry, the word worry is an old English word which means to strangle or choke, and that's what worrying does. The giant of worry wants to choke your faith, all right? The giant of worry wants to strangle you. That's, that's, his, that's his mode of operation, right? As we look at facing the giants, last week we talked about facing the giant called fear. And now fear wants to paralyze us. Instead of us moving forward with God, we want to move backwards. We want to go back to a place of comfort, a place of security. When God says, no, I want you to trust me. I want you to move forward, not backwards. Well, this morning we're going to look at the giant of worry because worry will choke our faith. It'll strangle us. Look with me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, don't worry about anything. I want to pause right here. According to this verse, don't worry about anything. According, According to just that part of the verse, Is there anything that we should worry about? Nothing. Is there any exceptions? No, no, any wiggle room in this verse. Is there anything that God says, well, it's okay to worry about that? No, this verse is very clear. It's very straightforward. Paul says, do not worry about anything. Anything. So there's no exceptions. Well, what if? God says, no, no, what if? Well, what if this happens? No, no, no exceptions. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? God says, no, don't worry about anything. And so step one that we need to understand is, is we should not worry about anything. If we're going to defeat the giant called worry, number one, don't give in. Don't worry about anything. Don't waste your time worrying. Let me give you five reasons why worrying is worthless, all right? Why there is no value in worrying. Number one, it's unreasonable to worry. It's unreasonable to worry. In fact, it's foolish to worry. When you think about it, worrying doesn't make the problem smaller. It makes the problem bigger. 
the more we think about it, the more we meditate on it, the more we let it foster and fester in our mind, the bigger the problem becomes. Again, we can't control it, and so it just, we just keep adding to it. What if this happens? And 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 it keeps going on and on and on. What, what started off as just a little small thought grows, and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes exaggerated. The more we think about it, it is unreasonable for us to worry. Worrying doesn't solve the problem. And so it's useless. It's useless to worry about something you cannot control. Regardless of how you try to justify it, regardless of how you try to uh, uh, code it or clothe it, it is useless, pointless, unreasonable, foolish for you to sit there and worry about something you have absolutely no control over. None. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus preaching this sermon. It's called Sermon on the Mount, all right? And obviously, if Jesus is preaching the message, it's an important message, right? Here's what Jesus says. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And so if Jesus says to his people, to his followers, if he says it to his congregation, do not worry, then it's important for us to understand here in the year 2018, nothing has changed. His words haven't changed. Guess what? Do not worry. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, life is more important than worrying about it. And we spend a whole lot of time, wasted time. You can never get that time back. You know, it's, it's, I say this all, often. You know, you can come into my house and you can steal everything in my house. Okay, no big deal. That stuff is all replaceable. It is. You know, all that stuff, I can easily replace it. Yes, I'll be upset, and I'll have to work, and I'll have to replace it, and I'll have to fight with the insurance company and all that stuff. But, but you know what? All that stuff is replaceable, but there is one thing that is not replaceable. That's your time. You can never get your time back. And many of us spend way too much time, wasted time, worrying about stuff we cannot control. Jesus says it's, it's a waste. It's foolish. Life is more important than worrying about it. Number two, it's unnatural to worry. Not only is it unreasonable, it's unnatural to worry. Now, I know some people say, well, I'm a born worrier. No, you're not. There is no such thing as the worry gene. You did not inherit this gene from your family, from your mother or your father, that causes you to worry. Worrying is a learned behavior. All right? In other words, somebody in your family was a worrier, and you learned how to worry based upon their behavior. Maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad. Some learned, learned behavior. You, you were taught how to worry. All right? Some of you are great at worrying. You're professionals at worrying. You were hoping, man, I wish I could get a job worrying about other people's problems. I would get a lot of money. I'm so good. If they had an Olympics and worrying, I would get a gold medal. That's how good you are at worrying. 
But you were not born a worrier. You learned how to be a worrier. And if you've learned how to be a worrier, you can unlearn how to be a worrier. All right? God calls us to be a warrior, not a worrier. Big difference there. It's unnatural. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And so here's the point. Animals don't worry. They're not sitting there wringing their fingers. They're not fretting. They're not losing any sleep at night worrying about where they're going to get fed. They're not worried. That, I've never seen an animal uh, where I've had to take to uh, even my dog. My dog doesn't worry. He just, there's just no worry. He just, he just, he's just a dog. All right? Animals don't worry. Plants don't worry. All of creation doesn't worry. The only part of creation that worries is us, humans. We're the only people that worry. We're the only part of God's creation that, that worries. It's unnatural for us to worry. Now here's the question. If you're more valuable than animals, as Jesus just said, are you not more, much more valuable than they? Yeah, well, that's a hypothetical question. That's, that's yes. Yes, we are. We are more valuable than animals. Well, if we are more valuable than the animals, don't you think God is able to take care of you? If God takes care of the animals and you're more valuable than they, don't you think God can take care of you? Is there any, anything that God cannot do, any need that he cannot meet in your life? And so it's unnatural. It's unnatural for us to worry. Number three, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for us to worry. In fact, your body wasn't designed to worry. It wasn't. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Oh, I'm just worried well. No, but you've heard somebody say, I'm worried sick, right? Have you ever heard somebody said, well, I'm worried to life. No, but you've heard somebody say, I'm worried to death. I'm worried sick. And I'm worried to death because worrying has a negative reaction to our body. Physically, emotionally, and mentally. Listen to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. God says, worry is a heavy load. All right? Our body wasn't meant to carry this load called worry. All right? But again, many of us, we try to carry it, we try to bear it, we try to, to hold on to it, we try to lug it around with us, you know, we just, it, it's too heavy for us to carry. Our body was not created, God did not design us to carry this burden called worry. Let me share with you some negative effects of worrying on your body, okay? Physically, all right, worrying can cause headaches, it can cause Neck pains, ulcers, high blood pressure, heart attack, fatigue, back pains, weight gain or weight, gain or weight loss, diabetes. Uh, one of the things that, that worrying does is it releases a hormone in your body which, which weakens your immune system. Once your immune system is weak, you, you are susceptible to disease, all right? And so you can be sick of worrying, 
Because you're worrying, your body begins to, to become fatigued. It begins to take a toll on your body. But you think you're doing something good. You think you're doing something productive by worrying when, it's, when it has a, a negative reaction to your body. There's a negative response to worrying physically. In fact, worrying can kill you. Mentally, worrying makes it hard for you to concentrate. You know, because again, you're, you're so focused on that. You're so focused on what if. You're so focused on worrying that it begins to take your attention away from other things that are more important. And it begins to shift it over here, over your problem, and you're just worrying about it and worrying about it. You begin to, to lose your concentration. And that begins to affect you in your job. It begins to affect you in relationships. It begins to affect you in, in uh, education. Whenever you, can't begin, whenever you can't concentrate, when you can't focus on what needs to be done in, ahead of you because you're so worried about this over here that you can't control, it begins to take a toll on you mentally. Not only that, emotionally. Emotionally. Doctors and psychologists have proven that worrying causes depression. It begins to just wear you down. It begins to beat you down. Again, we see the effects of it. And so it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy to worry. Not only that, it's unhelpful to worry. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He says, can, can any of you, by adding a single hour to your life, or can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Another, thank you for answering that question. That's, that's, duh, no. None of us, we can never add a single hour to our life by worrying. There is absolutely zero benefit in worrying. Now, if you're reading from the King James Version, it probably says, can any of you add an inch to your stature? In other words, worrying doesn't add any more time to your life. It subtracts time from your life. Worrying doesn't add any uh, inches to your height. It doesn't make you taller. It doesn't make you uh, thinner. It, doesn't, it, it doesn't, has, has no value at all. It's a negative, not a positive. Jesus saying, listen, worrying doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't cause you to live longer. There's no value in it. It's unhelpful. Worrying doesn't change the past. I know as much as we wish it could, man, if I could just change the past, if we worry about it, we worry about it, it, it can never change the past. The past is the past. There is absolutely no sense in worrying about the past. It's unhealthy. It's unhelpful. Not only can you not worry about the past, you can't change the past. Guess what? You shouldn't worry about the future. Honestly, the future is out of your hands just as much as the past is out of your hands. You cannot control the future. You cannot control the past. You cannot control the future. Thus, it is pointless to worry about it. Let me share with you what worrying does do. You ready for this? I want to write this down. Worrying makes me miserable. That's what worrying does. Worrying makes you a very, very miserable person. 
Worrying does not prevent problems. It will rob you of your peace. That's what worrying does. It does not, it does not prevent problems in your life. It will not make the problem smaller. It will rob you of peace. It will steal your joy as a believer. Because the more we're focused on that problem, our attention is over there, and it's not focused on God. It's not focused on who He is. And I believe that's, that's really the, the statement that we're making when we're worrying is we are making a statement to God, God, I don't trust you. It's really a misconception on who we think God is. Because obviously, God is our Father. He loves us. He desires to take care of us. He desires to provide for us. He desires to lead us. He desires to give us the strength. He desires to meet every single need that we have, not every single greed that we have. And so whenever we are worrying, it's really a statement of doubt, more so than a statement of faith. Not only that, it's unnecessary to worry. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. Jesus says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, it's unnecessary for us to worry. Because if you know God, you don't need to worry. Now, here's why. Because if God promised to meet every single one of our needs, is there anything that God can't do? No. My children don't have to worry. As long as they're under my house, as long as I'm their provider, they do not need to worry. They don't need to worry about whether there'll be food on the table. They don't need to worry about whether there'll be a roof over their head. They don't need to worry about their health insurance. They don't need to, be, they don't need to worry about their clothes. They don't need to worry about a single thing. All they need to be concerned with is their relationship with their father. All they need to, that's all they need to be concerned. Right now, everything is provided for them. All of their needs are provided. Likewise, when we understand that God is much more than a human father, he's our, he's our heavenly father, right? I'm limited. I can't provide everything for my children, right? But God can, and he promises to provide every single one of our needs. And if God is our heavenly father, when we understand that it's his duties as a father to provide for his children. It's not my, it's not my place to question how is God going to provide for it? My kids don't lay up at night saying, how is, how is mommy and daddy going to put food on the table? How is mommy and daddy going to put clothes on our back? They're not, they're not worried about that. And I think there's a valuable spiritual lesson in that. When we focus on our relationship with our heavenly father and allow him to be our provider and not worry because when we start to worry, what happens is that problem becomes greater in our life than God. And so we need to understand that worrying is unnecessary. Let me read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Paul says, 
Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I love this question because, in other words, what, what Paul is saying here is if God loves you so much, and God does, God loves you immensely, all right? But if God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sin, to save you from the penalty of sin, from his punishment, if God loves you so much to do that, all right, to save you and to, to bring you into his kingdom, if God loves you that much, don't you think God loves you enough to meet your financial need? Don't you think God loves you enough to meet your health need? I mean, if God, if God, you know, that's the biggest thing. If God is able to do that, everything else is, is small in comparison to our salvation. For what God has done for us in salvation and saving us, everything else is, is, is small. It's small change to God. And yet we trust God. We trust God. God, you saved me. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me. But yet, uh, we, we go home and we start to worry. We start to worry about this and that and this and that and this and things we can't even control. And it's a shame. Because we just thank God for saving us and doing something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And God did something that we cannot control. But yet, we go home and we worry. So it's unnecessary it's unnecessary. So step one, don't worry. Step two, talk to God about everything. Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse six, he says, don't worry about anything. And instead, all right, instead of wasting your time worrying because that is unproductive in the life of the believer, right? It, there's no benefit in worrying. He says, instead of worrying, here's what we ought to be doing as believers. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Talk to God about what? Everything. Does, it say, does this verse say, uh, 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 pray about some things? Pray about the big things. No, it says pray about everything, right? So... Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. I know sometimes we say, well, you know, this is just a small thing, and I don't want to bother God. I, he's busy trying to, you know, solve the issues of the world, and, and so it's just a small thing. And I, I just want to, you know, I'll, I'll worry about it over here. I, just, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it to God. I don't want him to, I don't want him to deal with it. I don't want him to worry about it. The fact is, is, is this, listen, there is no such thing as a small thing with God. There's no such thing as a big thing. God says, cast all of your cares, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, everything that is holding you back, everything that is strangling your faith, everything that is choking the life out of you, God says, bring that to me. Cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. And I believe one of the reasons why we're not experiencing life as God has intended for us and one of the reasons why we're not walking by faith is because we're choosing to walk by sight and we're choosing to worry and we're choosing to fret. When God says, bring it to me, pray about everything, talk to God about everything. Now listen, if you prayed more than you worried, you'd have a lot less to worry about. 
right? If you prayed more than you worried, you would have a lot less to worry about. And so if you've got a lot to worry about, start praying. Because the more you pray, the, the less you'll have to worry about. Likewise, you could flip this sentence around. You can say, the more you worry, the less you'll pray. It's a choice. It's a choice. It, it, this is a choice that God says you can make here. Instead of worrying, pray. Talk to God. Because here's why. Talking to God deepens our relationship with him. Communicating with God, telling God all of our needs, really declares to God that, that we're, we're unable. We're unable to do We're out of control. We, we, we have no control. God, our dependency is upon you. It's a cry of dependency. When we talk to God, instead of worrying, right, it deepens our relationship. It deepens our trust. It deepens our faith. And that's what God desires from us, that relationship, to know him, to grow in the knowledge of him, to exercise our faith, to strengthen our faith. So talk to God about everything. Step number three, thank God in all things. So step one, don't worry. Step two, talk to God about everything. Step three, thank God in all things. Look at the rest of this verse. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he has done. We need to not worry, we need an attitude of gratitude. We need to thank God. We need to be grateful. You see, ungrateful people are unhappy people. Have you ever noticed that? People who are ungrateful, they are, they're miserable, they're unhappy, they're bitter people. Grateful people are happy people. The more we're grateful, the happier we are. Happier we, we're, we're content, all right, when we're happy. Now, here's the thing. God desires us to be happy people. He desires us to be content people. He desires us to be grateful people. Be grateful for what God has done. Think about this, all right? I was thinking about this the, the, uh, this morning. Have you ever had somebody uh, had a need, all right? It was a big need. And, and you, you met that need. You, you, you did something for somebody, you, you, whatever, whatever it was. You just did something nice for somebody, okay? And they didn't even thank you. They said, no thanks, no nothing. They just, okay, they just took whatever it was that you gave them and just walked away. Whatever it was. How did that make you feel? Not good, right? Upset, right? Not appreciative, right? You, nobody appreciated you. Think about how God feels when God does stuff for us and we never thank him. We don't have that attitude of gratitude. Then we want to know, God, why don't you do that? Why didn't we thank him for what he's done? Why do we focus on everything that we can't control instead of focusing on that? Focus on what God has done. Focus on how awesome God is, how good God has been to us. So thank God Thank God in all things. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says, 
be thankful. When are we to be thankful? In all circumstances, right? In every single situation, in every single circumstance, we are to be thankful. Now, this verse doesn't say be thankful for all things. It says be thankful in all things. There's a big difference, all right? There's a huge difference. Don't be thankful when, you know, tragedy happens. No, no. But God says, look, be thankful in all uh, circumstances. Because this is God's will for your life. God's desire for us is to be thankful people. Despite what's going on in our life, despite whatever obstacles we face, despite whatever hindrances there are, despite whatever giants we're up against, God wants us to be thankful people. He wants us to be people who praises him because he's done great and wonderful things for us. Let me share with you this quick story. I was reading this back in 2 Chronicles. It's when God called uh, King Jehoshaphat uh, to go and defeat the enemy. And God called King Jehoshaphat to defeat the enemy in a very unconventional way. You would think that he would add uh, the, 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 the mighty men with all the weaponry and just, you know, uh, the, the, the bows, the arrows, everything, uh, take their positions and just invade the enemy's camp and be victorious. But God doesn't call King Jehoshaphat to do that. Quite the opposite. He calls King Jehoshaphat to send in the praise team. All right, imagine that, all right? Imagine we're going to war, right? We're going, we're going to battle, and God calls our praise team to go out and fight the fight for us. I think that's kind of bizarre. Well, here's what happened. God, Jehoshaphat sends out the praise team. He sends out the worship team. He sends out the dancers, and they're out there praising the Lord. They're out there thanking God, all right? And the enemy, they're confused. They don't know what's going on. You know what they started doing? They started killing each other. That's how confused they were. Here's God, people praising the Lord, thanking God, worshiping God in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this adversary, right, and adversity, and, and, and the enemy's confused. And here's what I want us to remember. Whenever we praise God, whenever we thank God, the enemy gets confused. The enemy gets confused. Because our natural tendency is to fight back. Our natural tendency is to worry. Our natural tendency is to fret. But when we start praising God, when we start worshiping God, when we start turning our worry into worship and our panic into praise, that confuses the enemy. That confuses the enemy. And so be thankful in all circumstances. Well, here's the result. Because when we don't worry... When we talk to God about everything, and when we thank him in all things, look at verse 7. Paul says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, this is a conditional promise, because we all want peace of mind. We all want God's peace that surpasses all understanding. And we'll pray that. We'll pray, God, give us your peace. I want your peace, God. I want peace of mind. God says, if you want 
My peace, all right, if you want peace of mind, if you want a peace that surpasses all understanding, it is conditional based upon you not worrying about anything, you praying about everything, and you thanking me for everything that I have done. When you do that, here is the reaction. Here is the solution. Here's what's going to happen when we do that. God says, then you will experience peace. You'll have peace of mind. Not just any peace, but peace that surpasses all understanding. You can't explain it. You can't understand it. God will protect our minds. We talked about this last week, and I kind of want to end with it this morning. Because how important it is to protect our minds. How important it is to protect the stuff that we put in it. Because our mind is the seat of our decision-making. With that, we choose to follow God. With that, we choose to not follow God. With that, we choose to trust God. With that, we, cho- we choose to doubt God. With that, we choose to pray. Or with that, we choose to worry. Our mind is so important. And what we put in our mind is so, so important. And too often, we allow all the wrong things to go into our mind. We allow all the wrong information and all the wrong influence to saturate our mind. And you know what it is? It's garbage in, garbage out. And then we want to know what's going on with our spiritual life. Why, why are we not defeating these giants? Why am I a worry wart? Why am I so consumed with worrying? It's because we're putting all the wrong garbage in our minds. In fact, you don't have to look there, but if you read the next verse, Paul says what we should be thinking about. We talked about that verse four, or chapter 4, verse 8. Think about these things, whatever is true, whatever is lovely. And that's really what we should be consumed with. We should be putting the right stuff in our minds. This morning, the giant called worry is real. And you have a choice. You can either choose to walk out of this place and continue to worry and allow that to begin to take its toll on your life. And you know, you know you can't control it. You know these there's some things that are just out of your control. But yet you still choose to worry. Or you can leave this place this morning trusting God. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord. I want to encourage you not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord. That's my desire for you. That's my desire for me, is that we trust the Lord. That God is able to provide. He's able to lead us to the provision. He's able to defeat or defend us. He's able to defeat our giants. That God is more than able. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, God is more than able to save you. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, for your sin. Jesus was sinless. He did absolutely nothing wrong. God sent his son because he loves us so much. And Jesus died on that cross for us in our place. We deserve, I want to be honest, we deserve the punishment of God. We deserve the wrath of God. That's what Jesus saved us from. He saves us from the wrath of God, and we deserve that. He took God's wrath. 
You know, don't think that Jesus just got a slap on the wrist. No, God unleashed. He poured out his wrath upon Jesus on the cross for us. That's an amazing love. He did that for you. He did that for me. The Bible says that we're saved by God's grace through faith. It's not of our works. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's not about joining the church. It's not about you know, just trying to be a good person. Because apart from Jesus Christ, even our good is evil. Even our good is selfish. Even our good is not good enough, according to God. And God doesn't require goodness. He requires perfection. He requires holiness. And all of us miss that mark. All of us fall short of God's glory. And so this morning, let me encourage you to come to Jesus. You don't have to worry about where you'll spend eternity. In fact, you can know without a shadow of a doubt. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every head bowed and every eye closed.